I'm about to talk with Heidi Hogarth. And we're going to get into good mood food, the real secret behind our carb cravings during luteal phase, and what to look out for when you're pooping. Yes, we're going to get deep. Heidi's going to share. I know, she's going to share so much other great stuff with us, like herbal medicine to use for your PMDD. Oh my gosh. And is PMDD a hormone imbalance or not? Yes, we're going to get really controversial. You're not going to want to miss this one. I know I say with all of them because you really don't want to miss any of them. But this one with Heidi, I know it's going to be so good. Here we go. Heidi, here I come. Welcome to the PMDD Healing Summit, where the world's top experts share hope, guidance, and next steps for your PMDD healing journey. And today I am joined by Heidi Hogarth. Let me tell you about Heidi. Heidi is a naturopath, a nutritionist, a PMDD survivor, a mom of two living in Adelaide, South Australia, and she is also a professional member of IAPMD. And y'all know we love IAPMD here, so I'm so happy to hear that. Motivated by her own debilitating and lonely experience with PMDD, Heidi's passion lies in supporting others to regain power over their menstrual moods, get off the emotional roller coasters, and balance body and mind naturally. Hello. So, so that you can feel calm, confident, and empowered in yourself, in relationships, work, and in life. Heidi is a firm advocate for body-mind medicine. I agree. Meaning that fortifying the biochemistry of your body and brain has a powerful positive impact on mental and emotional well-being. Heidi says, your brain, after all, is a flesh and blood organ of your physical body. So juicy. Heidi, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks for having me, Charisma. <laughs> That's awesome. Such a passionate introduction. I love it. Yes, I can feel <laughs> the passion in along <laughs> to anything I ever do. I love <laughs> the bathroom and there's Charisma. <laughs> Oh, that'll just really boost my um, you know, self-esteem every day. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I I feel your passion, you know, in your in your Instagram, in your posts and what you offer. I really feel your passion for helping this PMDD community. So could you share a little bit about your own journey and why you're so passionate about supporting us here in this community? Yeah, sure. Um, so I uh, started experiencing PMDD, though I didn't know it as such. Uh, I think from my late teens, early 20s, and I actually didn't hear of PMDD until a couple of years ago. So I basically went through 20, I'm getting on, so 20, 25 years of not knowing what was wrong with me. I, I did get a lot of support. I did look for counsellors and all kinds of therapists, and I got help for depression and that kind of thing. But when I, um, when I heard of PMDD, it just like, everything made sense and uh, th then the support was there being able to explain what I was going through was easier um, yeah and and the, the community was amazing to discover as well so the whole all those other warriors out there and yeah so my experience is just really quite lonely just feeling um, 
yeah, just feeling like I was crazy and it's not, there's something wrong with me, but there's nothing wrong with me. And um, yeah, it was just hard. So that's what's, yeah, it's not, so becoming an advocate for PMDD is a big part of the whole journey as well, um, professionally. And um, just knowing, yeah, being able to support other people um, to not go through that because, it, yeah, it's really not pleasant. <laughs> I mean, it's not pleasant anyway, but, you know, it's just harder when you're doing it alone and don't know what's going on. So that's, yeah, that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> I can, I mean, I know so many of us can absolutely relate with your story, right? Not knowing what's going on. And then finally, when you, when you, when you hear those four letters, you're like, oh, this is it. I can really relate to that. That happened to me as well. When I finally found out what it was, I'm like, okay, now I can deal with it. Now I can see what's really going on here. So yeah, absolutely relatable. So let's talk right about this, this thing that you say, because you say that addressing physical health can have a positive impact on mental and emotional well-being. Could you just um, explain how our physical health also affects our emotions? Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, like you, you said in my introduction, our brains are a physical flesh and blood organ of our bodies. So they have then nutritional requirements, you know, they're, they're um, a concrete thing. They need fats, they need proteins, they need vitamins, minerals to, um, to, to build themselves, to build our nerves. Nerve cells are made of those things, our hormones, our neurotransmitters, um, so many bodily processes are dependent on your physical health. So it's basically that. So, um, you know, while thoughts, feelings, beliefs, emotions are, can trigger the release of the hormones and neurotransmitters, they also need to be there to enable those, um, the expression of those thoughts and feelings. So, yeah, basically like that. So if you're deficient in anything yeah <laughs> um, it can really affect your physical health your mental health um yeah just that's it basically um that makes so much sense and i hope y'all are writing this stuff down because i already wrote down brains are an organ they need nutrients so our, our brains need to be like you know supplied with all these different things so it makes total sense and I was, um, you know, perusing your website and all of your Instagram because I'm obsessed with your Instagram account. What do you mean by a bottom-up approach? What is this bottom-up approach that I hear so much about? Yeah, um, well, it, it is basically what we're talking about. It's looking at the physical aspects of mental health. So mm -hmm. there's also, you can think of the top-down approach. So I think what you do with um, meditation and mm -hmm. mindfulness is more of a top-down approach where it's more the psychological influences on mental health. So you're, that's where your thoughts, feelings, beliefs come from, your, um, you know, your, your history, your trauma, um, yeah, what you think of yourself. Um, so those can be influenced by counselling, hypnotherapy, meditation mindfulness and that kind of thing and then outside in are things like our social circumstances our demographics our family um, relationships work relationships stresses in our lives so we can um that they influence our mental health and we can also influence them to better our mental health and then the bottom up yeah so the your nutritional status uh, exercise and yoga are really important there um, your genetics play a big part. So we know that um, 
with PMDD, there can be some genetic pathways that are involved and there's hereditary factors. Um, things like your gut health and liver health. So that would come from a bottom-up approach, how the physical aspects um, influence the mental health. Yeah, so does that make sense? Is that clear? Yeah, that makes total <laughs> sense. That's why I love having, you know, you and all the other experts, because some people, you know, are coming from that top-down approach, right? Like from the, the hypnosis, the therapy, and others are coming from the bottom-up approach, like the nutrition, the health, like what's going on, like the hereditary aspect. That's also really juicy. I need to need to look into that more and, you know, the gut and the liver health. So I love, I love combining that. And that's something that you really believe in too, right? This kind of holistic collaborative care. Why do you think that's so important when dealing with PMDD? Yeah. Oh, because it's because there are so many influencing factors. Okay, but in a nutshell, I just think come at it at any angle because PMDD is a beast and you need all the help you can get. And there are so many different things that work for different people. Just try it all. <laughs> um, yeah, but then also, like you're just saying, though, the, the fantastic um, therapists out there working more from the top down approach. Um, it's, I just think it's really important to look at it holistically, you know, especially, okay, so we've talked already about my bottom-up approach. There's um, very strong in, um, research showing that uh, trauma and stress are big influences on PMDD. People with PMDD have a, a more sensitive stress response. Mm -hmm. um, so they really react more to um, the same stressors that uh people without PMDD react to or that react less to. Yeah. And yeah, um, yeah like I think we already said that trauma is a major influence. So I think that um, increases like, so your past trauma, whether it's um, complex, like childhood type, insidious little small, but cumulative traumas, or yeah. if it's a big event, uh, accident or a disaster that people go through, um, those things increase the risk of PMDD by, I think it's something like seven or eight times. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, that's why yeah. it all yeah. influences each other. And also those things influence each other. You know, your history of trauma influences how you eat or what you eat and what you do, whether you exercise or whether you do yoga and, and vice versa. So yeah, it can all come together to help us. That is so juicy. And that's really interesting with that more that we have a more sensitive stress response. Mm -hmm. Also, let's get really controversial here. We're going to, I'm going to push some buttons here because you say, or people say that PMDD is often, they call it a hormone imbalance. So what's your take on that? Do you have a controversial take on that? Oh, they say it's not a hormone imbalance. Huh. So that's, that's a generally accepted medical, um, uh, I don't know if it's a theory, um, it's the medical model. PMDD yeah. is not a hormone imbalance. There's been a lot of research into, <laughs> I know. <laughs> right. So that's what IMPMD says as well. It's not a hormone imbalance, but it's a difference in the way our brains respond to our normal hormonal fluctuations. Yeah. So I do keep that in mind but what I also find is that when we address our hormones with I use herbal medicine I find really effective for um, hormonal issues then mm -hmm. PMDD can be eased um, 
Yeah, and then, I mean, even medically, you know, one of the first lines of treatment is uh, hormonal therapy, yeah. like the um, contraceptive pill. So if it's not a hormone imbalance, why does that work? And then, <laughs> and then there is a lot of crossover. So, um, for example, we talk a lot about estrogen dominance or unopposed estrogen. Um, yeah. So that can be either estrogen's high or it's not detoxing properly, or um, it, there can be uh, xenoestrogens like from our, the environment, so endocrine or hormonally active substances in our foods and environment and fragrances and the new car smell, pollution, all kinds of things. Um, so that can have a more estrogenic effect and give that estrogen dominant um, picture. And then low progesterone. Uh, can give a that that needs to balance out estrogen. So when progesterone's low, estrogen might be normal, um, but you'll get an estrogen dominant scenario. And that's and those symptoms are that can be the typical PMDD symptoms. Mm -hmm. So stress, anxiety, premenstrual depression, premenstrual headaches, and migraines, the physical things as well, bloating, heavy periods, period pain. So I think well, why not? just look at the hormones as well yeah. um with herbal medicine it's not like just supplying your body with the hormones it's more about um tonifying or fortifying the endocrine glands or the way your body processes them so it's a gentler effect and more kind of balancing effect Mm. And then if you want to get really controversial, because yeah. we're talking about why it's not a hormone imbalance or why it is, or it's not, I, I say it's not not a hormone imbalance. That's how I describe it. Not, <laughs> not I like it. It's <laughs> not not a hormone imbalance. PMDD isn't a hormone imbalance, but it's not not one either. Because uh, then I think there's a lot of problems with the way we um, measure what is normal in medical circles. So what is what's a normal range for your estrogen or your progesterone to be? And that range is massive. It is from zero to 3,000. I don't have the figures on the top of my head, but it's huge. And 90% of people will fall into the normal range. So the, the way that they measure or decide those parameters is based on people who get blood tests and who gets blood tests, but people who aren't well. So firstly, it's thrown out for that reason and then um the other thing is you can have um high you know within the normal range your estrogen might be high but it's normal and your progesterone might be low but it's normal so they're both within normal range but they're not in a good ratio to each other mm -hmm. so doctor will look at that and say well your hormones are normal you're in normal range so you know there's nothing wrong with you or who knows? Um, but yes, but it, it's just worth looking at. Is so that something you look at with your with your clients at like their their hormones? Do you do like have them do a test and then y'all kind of analyze them? You analyze them? Yeah, not always, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, well, I go by um, symptoms a lot to start with. Yeah. And if we get stuck or plateau or need to get down to the next layer, then we might do some tests. Um, yeah. I really like the Dutch test. Mm -hmm. It's a really comprehensive test and it gives you so much information about the way your body processes the hormones as well. Yeah. So then you really know more about whether it's 
in the problematic detox or if it's uh, influence of xenoestrogens or, you know, it's a ratio of the hormones. And you can see that a lot more, but yeah. it's a really expensive test to do. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's definitely not a first line for me. I think we can, we can go a long way yeah. uh, with basic um, nutrition and lifestyle choices and some supportive herbal medicine or supplements before we need to test because we're not getting results or the results have plateaued or something like that. So yeah, I know some naturopaths will test immediately and that's all they do. And sometimes I get clients who have been through the whole gamut, they've seen everybody and they want a naturopath because they know that they'll get a Dutch test and get all the answers, hopefully. <laughs> so sometimes it's client driven as well. They, you know, they, they want to know and I understand that too. I love that. I love how different angles we can have on this. And you were talking about something about herbal medicine to support our hormones. What are, what's like one thing or two things, like what kind of herbal medicines are we talking about here? Ah, oh, well, oh, so many. Well, the way, <laughs> um, so specific herbs, you mean? <laughs> herbs, we say herbal medicine. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, specific herbs. So one of the most common ones that has been actually really quite well researched for PMDD is Vitex, also known as chase tree or chase berry. And that influences the pituitary gland to um, stimulate more progesterone. So that's a really good one for the low progesterone picture. Um, that one is um, definitely about like low progesterone picture that a very physical obvious sign is the spot bleeding um, between periods or especially like some women get a, a little bit of spotting the day before or the or the two days before so just a little you don't need a tap pad or tampon but it, there's just a, a little bit of brownish it's also brownish yeah. so when yeah. the, um, the blood is kind of brown especially at the beginning that's a very typical low progesterone sign uh, and that in that case, Vitex is really well indicated and that can um, bring up the progesterone and can ease um, premenstrual symptoms really well. Some people do react um, the opposite way with Vitex um, because, yeah, I think they are not, that's not their problem. Because what Vitex also does is um, it's a dopam dopaminergic um, herb, so it can promote dopamine when dopamine is high it can push itself toward uh, adrenaline and when adrenaline and noradrenaline do you call it adrenaline epinephrine <laughs> oh i see like when like the one we get put into you put into yeah. your heart yeah. Yeah, i'm not sure of the american terminology anyway so <laughs> yes it's that one <laughs> so that's that can be very overstimulating and that's when you can get the rage and aggression and anxiety and anger so um if vitex stimulates that it's probably it's obviously the wrong wrong herb for you um what are, the another one we talk about a lot is um withania or ashwagandha and i believe you have that in your supplement don't yes, you I do. yes i do <laughs> love that stuff. yeah that's a great herb that's a oh one of my favorites it's a very hard worker in my dispensary um <laughs> yeah it's really can <laughs> It's, and it's, there's no contraindications for withania. 
Um, it's pretty much fine for everyone. Uh, just have to double check if you're breastfeeding or pregnant. So don't take me on that. But in general, uh, it's a great one because it really tonifies the nervous system and the stress response. And so, and it has a really, it has a mild um, antidepressant effect, but more kind of calming, easing effect. But it also uh, turns the adrenal glands. So it can also give you energy, but not, a, not like a cup of coffee, but it, it can just bring your energy back to a base level. So it's a really great one if you're recovering from any kind of chronic um, illness or um, yeah, it has immune boosting properties as well. Awesome. But in terms of yeah, just needing recovery from with your stress and uh, easing the nervous system, that's when lithania is great, and everybody needs that basically. Certainly. <laughs> awesome. Well, you just gave us two really good ones right there, y'all. Write them down. Check them out. Okay, and now you know, these herbs, and you also speak about nutritional psychiatry. Now that sounds super juicy. Could you explain a little bit more what you mean by that? <laughs> yeah, well, it's in a nutshell, it's a uh, good mood food. Um, yeah, actually, nutritional psychiatry is a branch of medicine. Uh, so I'm borrowing that term because I love it. It just makes so much sense to me. It's just the way food influences your mental health. Um, again, there's, like I said, branch of medicine. They've got their own journal. You can Google it and, and there's, you can find a lot of free articles. You can Google PMS or PMDD and nutrition and uh, you can find a lot of research that way. Um, yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah. Just the way our food influences our mental health. So what are some good mood foods? Spill the beans on us. What are some foods we should be eating? Ah, yeah, so interesting. Um, it's a very good question. But with foods, it's, it's not like taking a herb or a medication. It's not like an immediate effect. Yeah. These are more long-term, subtle effects that you'll find. Um, yeah, but it's basically anti-inflammatory foods. So I really promote anti-inflammatory eating and anti-inflammatory foods are really the your fruit and veggies. So I really stress aiming for, aiming for, <laughs> actually, aiming for 50%. Actually, I want you to aim for 80%, but let's start with 50% of your plate <laughs> is ideally um, veggies and preferably above ground veggies. A little bit of, we can talk about root veggies too, because I think in the luteal phase, you really need more of the grounding um, complex carbohydrates from root vegetables. But in general, half your plate or half your snack, even every snack for breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, vegetables every time. <laughs> <laughs> veggies okay carrot stick or adding some um herbs like parsley or basil to your, your soup or your sandwich or whatever you know just finding every way to add in some veggies to your meals is really good um so that's keeps the inflammation low so uh, and then with keeping inflammation low uh, it's probably easier to talk about the things that drive inflammation mm. And unfortunately, it's gonna. I'm gonna be a bear, bear of bad news for a lot of people. But it's not gonna be the first time you've heard it. You know, it's the typical things: sugar and refined carbohydrates, 
caffeine uh, can be okay for some people, but for a lot of people, it just drives that adrenaline, which comes with that is anxiety and anger and rage and irritability. Um, uh, what else? Alcohol. Yeah, alcohol really, it's a central nervous system depressant. So while it might make us feel immediately relaxed, long-term effects so even the next day effects anxiety have you heard of the anxiety so it's the hangover that gives you anxiety depression mm-hmm. uh, it also um, disrupts your gut microbiome so then it, we might talk about that soon too <laughs> but then you know your gut is really a, a major manufacturer of your serotonin and gather another good feel good um, neurotransmitters so you don't want to upset that too much. Um, anything that you're allergic to or intolerant to will drive inflammation as well. So yeah, those are the main ones, I think. Gluten, gluten's um, yeah, can be quite disruptive as well. It can be a bit of a neurotoxin. It can damage your gut lining again and then drive a bit more um, an inflammatory response and it can cross the blood brain barrier so um yeah it can affect affect your brain immediately yikes <laughs> yikes i really resonate with the things that you said the alcohol i cut out the alcohol because also the next day i would get so depressed and yes. i would totally notice it in my belly like there would be something wrong with my digestion I, I was always lactose intolerant, but I took these lactase pills just so I could eat ice cream, but I would just feel crappy. So I had to, I had to cut all of that out too. I try to really minimize my sugar intake and I have seen a huge difference. So I'm really with you on, on that. And I can't even do caffeine because it makes me way too, way too hyper. <laughs> I can imagine <laughs> you're a pretty high vibe kind of chick. So exactly. <laughs> way too much, way too much. So speaking of um, this, are there any, um, you're talking about gut health. Could we just go on down that tangent really quickly? Like, because it is a bit of a buzz thing, right? The gut health, how do we have good gut health or why do we need good gut health? Anything you want to throw out that we need to know about gut health? Fill us in. Oh yeah. So um, why do we need it? So firstly, the gut is the pathway to the rest of your body, you know, as we discussed, we need nutrients to build our brains, our skin, our heart health, our everything. What are our bodies made of except the food we put into them? So it's not just what we put in, but we need to absorb the nutrients from the food. So our digestive system needs to be working really well to get the goodness out of our diets. Uh, so we need good um, hydrochloric acid in the stomach. Our gallbladder and pancreas need to be giving us a great um, pan, uh, the digestive juices in the small intestine to absorb the fats and the sugars and everything else out of it. Um, so firstly, that's why we need it. And then we need to detox as well. So out it goes, what we don't need goes out through the poop. So we need to be moving that really well and, but not too much. <laughs> so <laughs> you need to have a good, Nicely formed bowel movement daily, not too loose, not too hard, no straining, no pain with it, preferably no, I mean, preferably definitely no blood or mucus and not too much gas. Um, that's, yeah, so we need to be moving out the, the rubbish too. Um, liver is really important for um, 
processing hormones. Mm -hmm. So, and after it's processed them, it sends out what we don't need anymore through the gallbladder with the bile into the small intestine. So, and then it goes out through the poop as well. So, um, so the liver needs to be working well, which is another reason that alcohol is really not great for people with PMDD specifically, mm -hmm. not great for lots of people, but um, yeah, that's why we really need to avoid it or look after our livers. And then, um, and then it's excreted through the bowel. So if you are constipated, you can reabsorb those hormones that you really don't want to be reabsorbing. And it again, can drive that estrogen dominant scenario. Um, yeah, does that answer the question? <laughs> so it absolutely answer a question. And I love oh, that. And the other thing is, or like we touched on before, is the microbiome. So all the good gut bacteria is really important for processing estrogen again. So that happens in a, in a second um, level in the large intestine. And, and also, as we um, touched on, that they also make uh, a lot of our good neurotransmitters and communicate them up to the brain. So there's a really, there's this um, gut-brain superhighway along the vagus nerve. And, yeah, that's really important to just keep that operating well. The gut communicates with the brain and vice versa. So mm, it's called the second brain for good reason. Superhighway. Yeah. I, I love this. Also, I love that we get to talk here. You heard it here in the PMDD Healing Summit. We talk about poop, <laughs> how sure. you need to you need to do it, you, how it should look, how it should not look. And I think that's a really great, easy way to see, is there something going on inside in my digestion in your with your gut health? How is your bowel movement? You know what's going on there. So, you know, during the summit, while you're doing the pooping thing, go check it out, see how it's going, no pain, and watch this again, take the notes. Uh, that's really easy. That's an easy way to see. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really good. Any kind of digestive symptoms, if you get really bloated, if you get pain or heartburn or reflux after eating, um, you, you want to have a really good, uh, healthy appetite too. Before you eat, you know, it, digestion starts before you even when you start thinking about food. <laughs> so you, you want to be hungry, not just eating out of habit you, to, to digest really well. You, you want to feel that rumbling in your tummy. And then that's when you, your body can really um, take the most out of your food. It's really ready to, to digest it all and then absorb all the goodness. Oh. Even yeah. when you feel the rumbling in your tummy, that is so good. And that leads me right to my next question, because when I'm in my luteal, I do not wait for my rumbling in my tummy. <laughs> I'm a total carbaholic. Like in my luteal, my, my partner will know when suddenly his loaf of bread missing, he knows, <laughs> oh, she's in her luteal. It's time to tread lightly. What's mm -hmm. up with carby, carb cravings? Could you just share why and maybe some tips on what we can do about these strong carb cravings yeah sure yeah um oh gosh firstly it's so normal in fact it is a um normal and uh i'm trying to say what's the word um desirable <laughs> factor so our bodies are very optimistic they really want to get pregnant every month so <laughs> So the, it's a way of um, preparing for pregnancy. You, you want to start absorbing um, and stocking up on, on fats to, to 
get you through your pregnancy. So it's quite normal to have an increased appetite. You, your um, need for calories is increased by, I think it's about 10%, 10 to 15%. So that's, that can be like, did you say calories or kilojoules? I go with calories still. Um, you know, it's a good snack or a small meal. So that's an extra amount of food that you need um, during your luteal phase. Yeah. Um, so firstly, it's fine and don't beat yourself up about it. It is okay and don't feel guilty. <laughs> like number one, because the guilt is stress. And when you're stressed, you don't digest. So that's not going to fly. It's just not going to work for you anyway. Um, but how we can prevent it, because it's not really healthy if you if it's, you know, a whole loaf of bread or a block of chocolate or a, whatever we go for, the whole pizza or the whole tub of ice cream, you know, these things are, are pretty common. So the first thing to do is feed yourself really well to start mm. with. And that's when we need more of the, um, good complex carbohydrates in our meals. Mm. So more whole grains like rice or quinoa or... Um, yeah, things like that. And uh, root veggies um, are very wholesome. So they have um, lots of fiber as well and the carbohydrate and there are also a lot of vitamins and, and minerals in the root veggies. So making sure your meals to start with are full of those things, full of, not full of, maybe a quarter, <laughs> a quarter of the plate, a fistful. I talk about a fistful. So you want to have like a palm full of protein Mm -hmm. A palm or a palm and a half is good um, protein portion. Mm -hmm. And then for your veggies, two handfuls. And then in your luteal phase, you might add a fistful of rice or um, sweet potato, pumpkin, squash, those kinds of things. Um, the other important things to keep your blood sugar levels balanced, because that's what's happening. Your blood sugar levels are dropping or they're fluctuating. Um, fiber which you're getting from your veggies and mm -hmm. your whole grains or your root veggies um, it helps to keep blood sugar level stable and protein as well protein fat healthy fats and uh, yeah so the proteins and healthy fats are like about a tablespoon might add on flaxseed oil or olive oil or use coconut oil or ghee in your cooking um, these things all help to slow the release of blood sugars from your digestive system into your bloodstream. So then you don't get those massive peaks and troughs of your blood sugar going up and then insulin's released and then your blood sugar plummets because it's too high and it releases heaps of insulin and takes it all away. And then you go, I'm ravenous and starving and I want everything, everything and nothing is satisfying. Um, yeah. The yeah, main things. Yeah. I've actually got a freebie on my website as well for um, curbing carb cravings. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, that's a something might have a few extra tips in there for people. So not just about preventing them, but dealing with them in the moment too. Um, there's I think there's 10, 10 tips for dealing with them in the moment and ten tips for preventing them, and a bit of background about why we might have it and what you can do about it. Um, the other reason for it is. Um, Estrogen. Estrogen really stimulates uh, serotonin and serotonin. So when it's dropping around the luteal phase, then we, we want to feel that feel good again. And carbohydrates help us to absorb tryptophan from our proteins. 
to boost serotonin. So tryptophan is an amino acid in the proteins. So that's another reason that it's really important to get the protein with your carbohydrates. Some people would say protein and carbohydrate combining is not good for digestion. Um, yeah, pluses and minuses about that. But for um, people with PMDD, it's good to combine protein, a good healthy source of protein with the carbohydrate to enhance tryptophan absorption and boost your serotonin. So then doing other things to boost your serotonin um, is also a way of dealing with cravings like dancing, like you had a great reel about having a dance break, <laughs> um, talking to a loved one, patting your dogs, you know, going, playing with your cats, um, getting out in sunshine, like things like that, just really simple things can also boost your serotonin and kind of provides a bit of a distraction as well. Genius, genius, mind blown, mind blown. So much good info. We need to combine the protein and the carbs for us PMDD peeps so we can get that, that tryptophan. I'm learning so many new things. I'm going to rewatch this too. Um, we're almost at time, but I do want to kind of talk about how can people work with you? Like if, if everybody has their mind blown like me right now, I know there's, there's somebody out there who's like, okay, I want to learn more from Heidi. I want Heidi to support me. How can they work with you, Heidi? Do you have like one-on-one? -on -one? Do you have a program? What's going on? Yeah, both. Well, <laughs> I mostly at the moment still work one-on-one, -on -one, but I'm launching a program. Um, I think when I get brave, because, you know, I also have PMDD and it does affect my self-esteem and my um, yeah bravery. So I'm wanting to, but I'm quite inspired by you and your healing summit and um, PMDD awareness month. So I'm planning to, to open the doors by the end of April to start in May for a little group program. It'll be a small group. Um, I, I do, I've been working this program with um, individual clients for a couple of years now. And I just really love the, what you can get from a group, the, the community, the camaraderie, the support, the handholding, accountability, and those kinds of things. So we're going to have a little group, but it'll be an individual treatment plan. So the people first have a one-on-one -on -one consultation with me to work out what exactly they need and then um, come together to, to stay accountable to the plan and to keep, keep up your therapy. Keep up your dreams. Sorry, I'm a bit distracted by my dog. We love dogs. We love dogs. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds awesome. I, yeah. I also love the group thing. I think that just lends itself, right? It builds community and uh, it's, such, it's so beautiful. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. So out there, y'all, definitely, um, you know, get on Heidi's email list, get on Heidi's email list so you can email her back and you can let her know that you want to be a part of this and give her a little courage out there. Yeah. I also want to mention you are so generously sharing something so beautiful with, uh, with us. You're calling it the PMDD Roadmap, a free guide and workbook for managing PMDD naturally. And I'm going to put the link below this interview. And I might put the link for your, your carb cravings, um, your little info about that. I'll put that under there too. Um, thank you for sharing that with us because that sounds so, so juicy. Yeah, cool. Yeah, just some simple, easy steps. Oh, not always easy. 
simple, but it's not it's, always easy. That's true. Simple does not always mean oh. easy. Oh my gosh. So this has been so, I have, my whole thing is just full of squiggles oh. and such good information. Do you have any last words for our community? Any last words of hope or encouragement for the PMDD healing journey? Oh, sure. Um, oh gosh, so many. So firstly, yeah, like we're saying, it's a lonely journey, it can be lonely, but you know you're not alone. So get in touch with whatever groups are out there and there's so many. So um, get onto them and don't be afraid to ask for help and ask for support. Um, and don't do it alone. So I think the first or the second step in the PMDD roadmap is to gather your team. And whether it's your mum, your partner, your sister, your best friend, also professionals, your doctor, your yoga therapist, your naturopath, your counsellor, your hypnotherapist, you need a team around you and don't be afraid to call on them. Um, yeah, just, get, just don't do it alone. Uh, I think there are so many great therapists out there and I'm sure you're showcasing a lot of awesome people. And I would say, like, it can be a little bit confusing, you know, should, do I need RTT or do I need, I just do that yoga thing or, you know, oh, maybe I need a nutritionist. Oh, no, herbs are really good. So just, just choose, I think just choose the person that you resonate with. Like, the, if you like what I'm saying, go with me. I think you've got great programs too and you're beautiful. Go with you. Just choose one. Just doesn't matter. You know, you're going to get something out of everyone. So just start and don't worry. Don't overthink it. And the other big thing, sorry, it's probably you asked for one thing, but I think it's really important. We trust ourselves. I think with PMDD, it can make you feel crazy and it takes a long time to process situations and emotions because you think, Oh, it's just the PMDD. It, like, dismissing your emotions around situations is very common. I, I was PMDDing. I'll just forget about that now and you brush it under the carpet. But I think it's not always PMDD. Um, sometimes I think it, it's PMDD arises as um, the way we over we might overreact to something, but that doesn't mean that the thing we're reacting to is okay. You know, it could still be highlighting something that needs to change. So if you're living out of alignment with your values or if somebody's overstepping their boundaries or you're allowing them to overstep your boundaries, then those things really need to be looked at. And it's not just I'm crazy and I reacted that way, but it's um, opening my eyes to something that needs to change in my life. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a big positive about it, actually. Yes. Oh, so good. Thank you so much, Heidi, for those words of hope and encouragement and also kind of reflection. And, you know, what's honoring and trusting yourself, that really, that gave me, I always love get goosebumps when something really hits me, like, trust yourself, y'all. Watch mm. this again. Get your notebook, share whatever resonated with you, gold nuggets, share your gold nuggets. And Heidi, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Charisma. <laughs> yeah, awesome. And thank you for putting this on too. Like the whole PMDD Healing Summit is such a gift to the community. So yeah, really, really want to, I'm really grateful that you're doing it, everyone. Yeah.
You're welcome. It's my pleasure. All right, y'all. Get out of here. Have a great rest of your day, evening, morning, wherever you are. Bye. Hi, it's Charisma. If this expert interview inspired you or helped you in any way, please consider leaving a five-star review with your insights so other PMDD warriors like you can find these interviews and benefit from them too. You're awesome and thank you so much for being a part of this community. And remember, relief is possible. Okay, bye.